Good morning, good morning. Today is uh, Tuesday, October 12th. We have Acts 13 and 14 in Psalm 125, but we also have the video, the second half of the book of Acts. So let's ask the Lord uh, for his blessing on this time. Heavenly Father, creator of the universe and almighty God, King of kings, Lord of lords, Lord, we just ask that you would guide us right now, that you would open our eyes and our hearts to your word, that you would reveal yourself to us this morning. We ask for your blessing on this time, Lord. Amen. Luke traces how the spirit-empowered messianic movement in Jerusalem becomes a multi-ethnic international movement that spread all the way to Rome. So let's watch the video. The book of Acts. In the first video, we watched Luke open the book by showing us how the risen Jesus was exalted as the king of the world. He promised to send the Holy Spirit as his own personal presence to empower his followers to go out into the world and bear witness to the good news about his kingdom until he would return one day. And so the movement began in Jerusalem as the Spirit came and formed Jesus' followers into the new temple promised by the scriptural prophets. But this generated conflict with the leaders of Jerusalem, and so it led to the persecution of the Christians. But the Spirit transformed it into good. It actually became the means by which the originally Jewish Jesus communities were pushed outside Jerusalem to become a multi-ethnic international movement. And the flagship church of this diverse Jesus movement was in Antioch, the largest city in that part of the Roman Empire. So we left the story with Barnabas and Paul serving in the Antioch church, and the Spirit prompts the church to send them on a missionary journey, which opens up a whole new section of the book. The story is about Paul and his co-workers traveling to different cities around the Roman Empire, announcing the good news that Jesus is king. The first mission is into the interior of what's called Asia Minor, found in modern Turkey, and it ends with an important meeting of the apostles back in Jerusalem. The second mission is through Asia Minor and then into ancient Greece. And then the third mission is through that same territory again, and it concludes with Paul's journey all the way back to Jerusalem. Now, in recounting all these stories, Luke has highlighted a number of important themes by repeating them. So first is the continued mission to Israel. Whenever Paul enters a new city, he always goes first to the Jewish synagogue to share about the risen King Jesus and how he's forming a new multi-ethnic family of God. Now most often, lots of people come to recognize Jesus as the Messiah, but some oppose Paul. Sometimes they even throw him out of town as a dangerous rebel who opposes the Torah and Jewish tradition. And this tension culminates after the first journey, leading to an important council in Jerusalem. So Paul discovers that there are some Jewish Christians in Antioch, and they're claiming that unless non-Jewish people become Jewish by practicing circumcision, the Sabbath, obeying the kosher food laws, that they can't become part of Jesus' family. But Paul and Barnabas, they radically disagree. And so they take the debate to a leadership council in Jerusalem. Now there, Peter, Paul, and James, the brother of Jesus, they all show from the scriptures and from their experience that God's plan was always to include the nations within his covenant people. So they write a letter requiring non-Jewish Christians to stop participating in pagan temple sacrifices, but they don't require them to adopt an ethnically Jewish identity or obey the laws in the Torah. 
Now, this decision was groundbreaking for the history of the Jesus movement. Jesus, he's the Jewish Messiah, but he's also the risen king of all nations. And so one's membership among his people is not based on ethnic identity or following the laws of the Torah. It's based simply on trusting Jesus and then following his teachings. And it's this multi-ethnic reality of the Jesus movement that leads us to the next theme Luke wants us to see in the missionary journeys, namely the clash of cultures between the early Christians and the Greek and Roman world. Luke records multiple clashes in Philippi, Athens, and Ephesus. Paul goes and announces Jesus as the revelation of the one true God and as the king of the world who shows up all other gods and idols as powerless and futile. And his message is consistently viewed as subversive to the Roman way of life, and he gets accused of being a dangerous social revolutionary. These stories show how the multi-ethnic, monotheistic Jesus communities did not fit into any cultural boxes known to the Roman people. The ancient world had just never seen anything like them. And the Christians aroused more than just suspicion. Another theme Luke repeats is how Paul and the Christians are constantly being accused of rebellion, even treason against Caesar, the Roman emperor. People heard Paul correctly. He was announcing that there's another king, Jesus. And they also correctly saw that the Christian way of life was a challenge to many Roman cultural values. But every time Paul gets arrested and interrogated before Roman officials, they don't see any threat and he's dismissed. These stories show us the paradox that the early church presented to the world. It was a Jewish messianic movement, but it was ethnically diverse, full of communities that treated men and women and rich and poor and slave and free all as equals. And they all gave their allegiance to King Jesus alone and no other God or king. And so their very existence, it turned upside down the core values of Roman culture, but the Christians posed no military threat because Jesus taught them to be people of peace. And so the only crime Paul and the Christians can be accused of is not conforming to the status quo. The book's final section returns the focus to Paul's witness spreading from Jerusalem to Rome. His final missionary journey ends back in Jerusalem, where his controversial reputation precedes him. He gets attacked by Jewish people who think that he's betrayed Israel, which attracts the attention of Roman soldiers who think Paul's a terrorist from Egypt starting a rebellion. And so he gets arrested. From here, Paul is put on trial, first before the Jewish leaders of the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, but then before a series of Roman leaders in Caesarea. There's Governor Felix, who puts Paul off for the next governor, Festus, who eventually brings Paul before King Agrippa. He ends up in prison for years, even though at each trial the charges never stick to him, because all he's doing is announcing that his hope in the resurrection has been fulfilled in King Jesus. This is hardly a crime, but at this point the Roman legal machine can't just turn him away, and so Paul ends up appealing to Rome's highest court. Now, you would think that all this prison time would be a setback for Paul because his heartbeat is to be on the road starting new Jesus communities. But the Spirit orchestrates everything for good in this book. And so the imprisonment gives Paul time to have his most important apostolic letters written. And these become the way that his missionary legacy is carried on long after he dies. 
Eventually, Paul was transferred as a prisoner to Rome, and after a terrifying near-death voyage across the Mediterranean, Paul ends up in house arrest in Rome, awaiting his delayed trial. And so he's able to host, in quite a nice house, regular meetings that reach Jews and Gentiles. And the book's final words are about how Paul is announcing the kingdom of God and boldly teaching all about the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, totally unhindered, all happening right under Caesar's nose in Rome. The unified work of Luke Acts, it does so much more than give us a history of Jesus and the early church. He's showing how the kingdom of God came on earth as in heaven through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, through the coming of his spirit to empower the church to bear witness from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And as Luke has told the story, he's given us scores of examples of what faithfulness to King Jesus looks like. It looks like sharing the good news of the risen King Jesus in word and in action. It means forming diverse Jesus communities where people of all kinds come together, where they're treated equally and give allegiance to King Jesus and live by his teachings. And all of this is done by trusting in the power and the guidance of the Spirit to lead the way forward. And that's what the book of Acts is all about. Okay, let's get into Acts chapter 13. Now there were now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simeon who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had... John to assist them, and when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But, but Elimus, the magician, for that was the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you're, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight path of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see for the sun, see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsuls believed when they saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now Paul and his com companions set sail from Paphos and came to Pergia, Perga, in Pamphylia. And Paul left them and returned to Jerusalem, but they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. 
And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them, saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioned with his hand, motioning with his hand, said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arms, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for forty years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he, no, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation, for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though, and through, and though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead, and for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to his to the people, and we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessing of David. Therefore, he says also in another psalm, you will not be, you will not let your holy one see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, Brothers, that though this man forgive this man, that though that through this man's forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses, beware therefore lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told to the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts of Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them continue in the grace of God. 
The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves Judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing, and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and went to Iconium. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Chapter 14. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, and some were with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers, to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country, and there they continued to preach the gospel. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul looked intently at him, seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright in your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw that Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas, they called Zeus, and Paul, Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priests of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates of, and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Saul, heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying, Men, why are you doing these things? We, are, we also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went out. He went on with Barnabas to Derby. When they had preached the gospel to the city, they had made many disciples, and they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. 
Then they passed through Poseidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to do to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no and they remained no little time with the disciples. All right, let's move into a time of prayer and uh, meditation on Psalm 125. It's titled, The Lord Surrounds His People. It's a song of ascents. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. From this time forth and forevermore, for the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hand and do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. O Lord, Heavenly Father, amazing God of all creation. Lord, we glorify you, praise you for who you are. Lord, we just ask that you would accomplish what you want to accomplish, Lord. That you would do what you desire to do, Lord, in and through us. Help us to be participants of what you want to do on your direction, on your plan, Lord. Working through, in and through our lives, Lord, to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Lord, provide for us our, our daily needs, our, to pay the bills, the incomes, and the food and clothing, and just what we need. And Lord, you are so faithful in that. You've been so faithful in that. Rarely, Lord, rarely asking. I know because you always provide, because you're so faithful, I don't even ask. But Lord, I'm asking just in recognition that you are the one that provides. You are the provider. You provide everything we need, Lord. You always come through. So faithful. Lord, we just ask that you would be with our brothers and sisters in you, Lord, in your kingdom. Those that are suffering, Lord, with difficult situations, Lord. Think of uh, Mark and Trish and Pam, Lynn and Pam, Lord, both kind of similar situations, Lord. These two ladies that just bedridden, Lord, and we just ask that you would give strength, Lord, and encouragement, that you would just help them to to have the drive and the desire to uh, get out of bed and to 
to get their bodies moving, Lord, and just to get get the life that's left out of these bodies, Lord. Build those muscles, Lord. Increase their strength. Your will be done in that situation, Lord. We just ask that you would use them to be an encouragement, Lord, that you would use them to be prayer warriors, Lord, and uh, those that are taking care of them, the caretakers, it would be a pleasure, Lord, to take care of them, not a burden, Lord, that it would would be a a light, just you reflecting through them uh, to the people that are around, Lord. And Lord, that really for all of us would need to be that. Lord, we ask that you be with Al, his meeting coming up with the surgeon, Lord, that you would just uh, guide and direct that conversation. And Lord, if if your desire is that Al would have surgery, Lord, if you desire to heal his back through that, Lord, we just ask that you would just give him the green light, Lord, that he would see that and with confidence, uh, be able to step out in faith and, and, uh, and just allow you to guide those surgeon's hands to to restore his back. Lord, we just ask to be with those that uh, just our our marriages, Lord, uh, our relationships with friends and with co-workers, Lord, that uh, we would reflect you, Lord, that we would be uh, uh, the friends that you would desire us to be, that we would be the spouses as you desire us to be, Lord, just loving and uh, just thinking about others, Lord, just being other-centered, not so focused on ourselves, Lord, and what will you want and what we need, but how we can reflect you uh, to them, Lord, how we can love with your love, how you can love them through us. Lord, that we would shine your love, your grace, your mercy, Lord. We thank you, Father, for loving us so much, Lord, taking care of us, just being the perfect dad for us. Lord, help us to hear you as you speak to us, Lord, throughout the day, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, guys, have a great day.